I'm Jamie Lewis, a food and drink writer based in San Luis Obispo, California. And this is Consumed, a podcast about eaters, drinkers, makers, and thinkers across California and at its heart, the Central Coast. Thank you for listening. Consumed is sponsored by my friends at Slow Life Magazine. I remember when Slow Life first came out, it was a skinny but mighty magazine intent on sharing the stories of people who live, work, play, and give in San Luis Obispo. Today, the magazine is no longer skinny at all. It packs loads of interviews, information, inspiring stories, and my food column, which covers dining trends up and down the coast. Find Slow Life in your mailbox every other month by subscribing at slowlifemagazine.com. Jen Harris is a senior food writer for the Los Angeles Times and the hashtag LA Fried Chicken Queen. I don't think I'm overreaching when I say Jen is obsessed with fried chicken. I mean, she eats it every day. When we met up at the LA Times office, she shared with me that she had just walked across the street to eat a banana and a little plate of fried chicken nuggets because she hadn't yet reached her daily fried chicken quota. See, she's dedicated. In our conversation, we talk about her education as a journalist, her relationship to the legendary and world-changing food critic Jonathan Gold, and about that one time she upset all of Twitterdom. Enjoy. Here's Jen Harris. It was mediocre at best, but at least it was fried chicken. <laughs> How's that sound? Is even bad chicken, uh, fried chicken good chicken? Bad chicken is better than no chicken. It's like pizza. Bad pizza is better yes. than no pizza. Yes. Have you ever had pizza that yes. you regretted? Uh, I never regret pizza, but I've had some pizza that was less than spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some that, yeah, an Alfredo chicken pizza that oh, was no. a horrible, horrible oh, no. moment. Um, I wanted to open with fried chicken, actually. You are Great. the queen of fried chicken. What's the hashtag exactly? LA fried chicken queen. Okay. Yeah. Even, even more succinct than that. Yes. How did that happen? Uh, I mean, this is a long story. I love fried chicken. It's, it's something that started when I was a little kid. Um, my mom makes very good fried chicken, uh, my Chinese mom. And then, uh, I would go out to eat a lot with my Chinese grandmother all around the San Gabriel Valley. And, um, she'd take my sister and I to places that had, um, you know, stuff I love to eat now, like congee and oxtails and all that fun stuff um but when you're little you don't want to eat that and there's usually some form of fried chicken wings or fried chicken on the menu um so i would always gravitate towards that so between that and eating the fried chicken my mom was making at home because it was a regular on regular rotation in the uh, harris household i was eating a lot of fried chicken um and i just like became obsessed and and now i just want it all the time (laughs) even as a kid even as a kid and as an adult now um and I, I try to eat it at least once a day. It's not a joke. Like, you can ask my Girl. colleagues. Everyone thought it was, like, a gimmicky thing. And then they're like, wow, you actually, like, make it a mission to eat it all the time. And so I just kind of, when I'm out eating, I like to go out and try lots of fried chicken. And I kind of was like, you know, we should call this something. We should, we should, yeah. do, we should do something with this. So that's where the hashtag came from. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the, I'm just thinking about, yeah, when we were, my, my family was in London last summer and we met up with some friends who are Korean and they took us to a Korean place that had oh. unbelievable fried chicken in London. It was very multicultural, the whole thing. Korean fried chicken is some of my favorite. And why is it chicken. so good? I'm trying to think like, what was it about that? I mean, what, well, so what did you have? Did, did you have the chicken pieces that were kind of, um, 
tossed in like a sweet spicy no oh it was just like crispy wings no they were like bits pieces of yeah and they were definitely like thigh meat oh yeah Um, dark meat is key oh yeah yeah because if you're getting if you're gonna get fried chicken why go why go light meat the only white meat i'll eat is a wing Hmm. but it's because the bone to meat to skin ratio is so little like that it's it's okay that it's white meat yeah right (laughs) did you uh do you make it at home ever I do I make fried chicken I don't make it a ton because frying is so messy yeah um and it's like I marinate it overnight and then I dredge it and then I double fry it and I fry it in a shallow pan and it gets oil all over the place so I don't do it a ton also there's just such good fried chicken to get eating out totally yeah I typically go out um but I do make it sometimes yeah do you ever see think you'll see the edge of how of every place that you can get it here no okay I mean um just in this so when I told people at the LA Times I wanted to do an entire video series devoted to fried chicken called the bucket list yeah Um, just came out right yeah just came out um next week will be our fourth episode super fun uh it comes out every Tuesday on YouTube um but yeah uh, first I was like, I'm just going to do fried chicken. And at first they were like, well, that makes sense. Cause you really like fried chicken, mm-hmm. but like, that's like, is there enough fried chicken to sustain an entire season? And I was like, let me tell. So I told them the 10 episodes I had planned for this season. And then I was like, here are five other seasons we can do. There's just like, there's so much wow. and you could never, there's new places popping up all the time, whether it's Nashville hot chicken or Taiwanese popcorn chicken or mm-hmm. Just traditional southern fried chicken schnitzel i saw the schnitzel, ginormous yes. schnitzel oh my god sandwich. that looked unbelievable yeah chicken schnitzel sandwich at kismet um shout out to sarah and sarah the chefs yeah. there um but yeah so there's just so much fried chicken in la that there's i don't i hope i never see the end of it yeah <laughs> do you have a really great heart doctor like do you <laughs> i just wonder about your so your so that's the thing i um I don't know. I think it's genetics. Uh, I have very low cholesterol, like freakishly mm. low cholesterol. Um, so, and I'm pretty active. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, but I really do think it's genetics. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, so how did you grow up? You grew up San, San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. I grew up in Pasadena. Uh, I was born here, um, grew up in LA. Um, and I'm lucky to have parents that uh, value food um, and would, take us out to eat all the time to try different things like you know let's go to the valley and try this deli let's try this israeli restaurant let's try ethiopian food let's get persian food like like food for us was a real experience and an outing um so on the weekend it was like let's get dressed up and drive somewhere to eat um and try something different so um i'm i'm lucky that my parents are like that and they're still like that They, they love to eat too is that 80s 90s um 80s and 90s i was born in 85 okay so. that's pretty they're pretty ahead of their time in many ways yeah they are they are yeah, yeah they were so you yeah. say that your mom is chinese but your last name is harris so what's your dad like so my dad um my dad is a tall white man um he's he's uh our family's from uh, russia and the uk um but um and jewish so mm-hmm. yeah Cool. And then did you end up going to a private high school, public high school? I did. I went to Mayfield Senior School, which is a fantastic all-girls Catholic school in Pasadena. Mm. Um, I was one of two Jewish kids there, which didn't matter. Um, and it was, uh, it was great. It was fun. We had yeah. very fun uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? Uh, no, it was just like it was a classic like plaid skirt and you'd wear it with yeah. like, knee-high socks and a college sweatshirt. And um, uh, it was fun. You were living the the private school, like, yeah, that's the dream. Uh, me growing up, it was nothing like that, but I always <laughs> wanted a uniform, of course. Yeah, and I, 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 like, 
I obviously didn't appreciate the uniform when I had it. But then when I got to college, I was like, oh, my God, I have to like pick out like five outfits this week. I was like, this is a lot of work. Like, I've heard people say that. Yeah. Like I because you don't you didn't have to worry about what you were wearing. You just had a uniform and you went to school and you could express yourself in other ways. Which yeah. Was right. Fun. Um, but yeah. Shout out to Mayfield Senior School. <laughs> <laughs> Mayfield. Yeah. So uh, and then college after that, where'd you go? Um, I went to UC Irvine for undergrad. Uh, they started a literary journalism program. So I was the f- part of the first graduating class, um, with that major, which was really fun. Um, what does for, um, I just am trying to admit when I don't know something, what is literary journalism? Like we studied in cold blood. Um, like we said, st- oh, like it, investigative it was, reporting yeah, and, and just kind of, um, using, um, techniques typically used in fiction writing for, uh, nonfiction. Yeah. So like creating a narrative and, um, you know, it was like, it was like how to write pretty mm. and your prose were great, but there wasn't a ton of reporting, um, which I thought I really needed. So that's why I ended up going to USC for a grad school. Okay. So, and yeah. studying journalism and studying journalism. Okay. Yeah. And what was that like? Um, so that was at Annenberg. Uh, it was a two year program, master's program. I, I did online journalism. Mm-hmm. You could pick online print or, um, broadcast. I thought things were going digital. At the time, it was 2008. Um, so I, I chose online as my um, specialty. Yeah. Uh, but um, it was nuts. Like the first week of school, like orientation, they they, grew up, they broke us up into groups and then they put us in cars and kind of dropped us all, all over the city and was like, do a story or like be ready with some story pitches when you get back. And um, my group, we ended up on Skid Row. Wow. And so I was like... Okay, so we just started talking to people, and then we had, like, an hour or so, and then we were driven back to this big auditorium with, you know, like, 65 new colleagues we'd never met before, and you were expected to go up in front of the class and, like, pitch a story, story, um, which is great, because I think that was the, like more terrifying than anything I've had to do in real life yet. Mm, (laughs) Um, Yeah. And they'd make us do these day of air packages where, you know, they give you a story, they assign you a story at, like, 6 in the morning, if you're doing broadcast or print or whatever, you go out, you shoot everything yourself, you edit everything yourself, um, then you turn it in that afternoon. Um, wow, that's a gorilla. That's I'm, a thing. Yeah, because it well, I mean, it was in, in the middle of a recession. Yeah. Um, newspapers and magazines weren't doing well. They were closing left and right. Um, and, you know, we were going into a profession that was kind of dying mm-hmm. um, or, or not. Pro- I mean, journalism will never be dead, but it was it was not prospering like like it used to. And it didn't look like the model that it had been for so no, long. No, it was so different. Um, hence me being like, oh, sure, I'll do whatever you're calling online journalism. Um, so it would, I mean, I, I really value that program and I'm so lucky that I have that degree um, just because, just for the, not even just the degree, but the experiences and the things we had to do for those two years, whether it's the day of air packages um, or, you know, my class also, we started Neon Tommy, which was a, a all digital publication mm-hmm. for Annenberg, which was really great. Um, so yeah, and it was like writing for the web, which, you know, wasn't terribly popular or really a thing back then. Um, so, or like how to do HTML coding or, you know, how to build your own website, how to work with a CMS, um, stuff that has been invaluable for when I got my job here at the LA Times. So yeah, that's the stuff actually that I am teaching up at Cal Poly. But I mean, that's, you know. Now we have models to show this has worked, this has worked, but you know, you're on Mm -hmm. ground zero for that. Did you already know that you wanted to write about food or Um, cover it? I mean, when I was an undergrad, I wrote for like the new university paper, which was the UCI um, 
paper there and I was doing feature stuff. I was writing about um, entertainment and restaurants, um, but I've always loved food and loved cooking and thought, you know, if I could, if that could be my beat, mm-hmm. like how cool would that be? Um, so yeah, I always wanted it. I didn't think it would actually happen, but I always wished and hoped and dreamed that that'd be what I could cover every day. Yeah. So then you graduated Annenberg and what Mm -hmm. happened next? Um, so I graduated in 2010 and, uh, all my professors were like, you're going to have to freelance life's gonna, you know, it's, you're not going to get a big job somewhere. And so I kind of freaked out. So of course I went to Europe for two weeks and then I came back and applied, I had this spreadsheet and I applied to like 50 jobs. And one of them was like a copywriter for kim kardashian's shoe dazzle like i it was like any sort of writing job because i was so freaked i was like i'm not gonna get a job i'm not gonna i'm gonna have to live at home forever like what's gonna happen um and uh the la times posted a job for an a um like a uh like an online web producer and I was like, I didn't even really understand what that was. But no, I, was like, I don't. Right. Even as you say it now, I'm like, what yeah. Is that? So I was like, okay. So I I contacted them. I gave them my resume, and then I ended up on like a two hour long phone interview. It went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they called me in for an actual in person interview. And then uh, that later that day, they offered me a job. And I was like, what is happening? What? Um, but then I learned what the job was. So the job was, uh, and we still have web producers now who are super invaluable to what we do. Um, and they are the people who take the stories and put them online but you build them out you like you do the the photo selection you do the headline so you're kind of like the online editor of whatever Mm -hmm. content you're responsible for um and any kind of interactive components yes yes anything maps anything and so um I was like I don't know if that's what I want to do um but my mom was like oh no you just get your foot in the door of the la times and then you kick it open Mm -hmm. and i was like okay so i took the job uh, and i started doing that but i quickly found that you know i I want i obviously wanted to do more so i I met with some editors at the time and i just said hey i'm a journalist like you know i noticed your and i was working for the image and book review sections at the time Mm -hmm. and i just said you know uh, here's some story ideas I have. Um, and also you guys aren't writing a lot about celebrity fashion. Maybe that's something I can do for you. And then they gave me like a Sunday column called frugal fashion, where I was writing about celebrity fashion and where you can kind of like get their looks. And then, um, it kind of just spiraled from there. And then I started pitching more stories and, um, getting assigned stories. Um, and then, um, after a couple, like a year and a half, uh, and opening the food section came up and, um, and had you been angling for that? Yeah, that so I, I, had, I had been like hardcore stalking Russ Parsons, who was the food mm-hmm. editor at the time, who let me take him to lunch. And he let me write about like the the Orange County fair food. And he was like, that's pretty. She's like, all right, you can. All right, here's some other stuff you can do. And then um, I started working for the food section and kind of the rest mm-hmm. is history. But yeah, I was I was um, when I first got here, I didn't know if I'd be able to write for the food section. But um, once that became a possibility, I was like, all right, I'm going to to go and make that happen because that's what I've always wanted to do so you kind of hit I mean I know you've worked really hard you also kind of hit the lottery struck the lottery (laughs) just in terms of like first job coming out of out of grad school I mean yeah I know know that you worked your way into a different position yeah it's just amazing the one one company yeah I think if you just like if you just keep asking questions and you keep trying like I you know I mean not not that everyone can always have what they want, but I, yeah. I think there is something to be said for just like, just keep going for it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So when you showed up, Jonathan Gold was here. Um, uh, he, he came a little after me. 
Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. He was hired after me. Yeah. Okay. I've been, I've been here since, um, 2010. Okay. Yeah. So when you did eventually get to work with it, I mean, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are not Angelinos, so they don't necessarily know. Um, it's always amazing to me who does and doesn't know about Jonathan Gold. I'm mm-hmm. sure here he's, you know, he's legendary. Um, but I mean, can you kind of explain what he was like and what he did? Uh, so Jonathan was our restaurant critic. Um, and uh, he was larger than life. Um, he... I mean, I mean, and he'd been uh, writing restaurant criticism for LA Weekly before us, um, and and other places too. And and he just um, he really changed the way people eat in Los Angeles, and I think people around the world view food in that he valued things and people uh, and cultures and dishes that people kind of never paid attention to before. So yeah, he was the first to review a food truck. Um, or, uh, you know, spotlight a little hand-pulled noodle place in the San Gabriel Valley or, you know, make it cool to, to find a random place in the corner of a shopping center that no one paid attention to before. Um, so he was great in so many ways, but I think that is his lasting legacy. Um, but as a person, he was probably the smartest person still to this day I've ever met. Um, he like wicked smart and just knew it was an encyclopedia. The, and that was the thing with his writing. He would pull from so people pull references and create context from so many different well, it was the, you know, music world, architecture, anything. He just yeah. like, he, he was an avid reader and he knew so much about everything. And, and that's why his reviews were so rich mm-hmm. with information. And again, context. Um, and, uh, but yeah, and he was funny and he was a great mentor and he was a very sweet, thoughtful generous person um and yeah he he was the best yeah he was honestly the best yeah in the um, documentary about him one of the things I took away was his home and I mean I know there's a lot of stuff all over his house books yeah I mean like so many so many and just kind of scattered and all over the place but the warmth of the home that he kept that was what I was really touched by and obviously an amazing man who changed the way food is looked at it's mm-hmm. looked at as a kind of a litmus test for a culture yes yeah, yeah. I think that was all him yeah. um but yeah but yeah their their home uh is full of books um and um yeah but so yeah that documentary was interesting but yeah I, I know there was a lot of emphasis on the deadlines not being <laughs> well and I've heard that from other people well, I mean, but that's the thing. Whenever he turned in whatever he was turning in, it was like the best thing ever. So you were just yeah. excited that you got it, even yeah. if it was a little late. Uh, but yeah, he was, he's a genius and it took him a little mm-hmm. while to, to do things. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What has it yeah. been like since he, since he passed away? What's it been like around here? Uh, I mean, you know, we miss our friend and colleague. Um, but our two new critics, uh, Bill Addison and Patricia Escarcega, are like phenomenal. Mm. They are carrying the torch in a way that w- I've just been so impressed with them and so happy with how they've been um, representing the city and, and representing the paper and the places they find. And um, they're, I, I think they're doing right by Jonathan and, and, and by their positions in the city in general, just uh covering food here they've I'm so happy with them they're they're really great yeah so in the well and then there's also um the food section has been um it's not refurbished but it's been um reorganized I suppose yeah so we brought so we brought back um so okay from the beginning so 
uh, Peter Meehan, uh, who started Lucky Peach magazine uh, and and was uh, a writer for the New York Times. He's now he was hired as our new food editor, um, which is a really big move. It's yeah. a bold move because he's he lives in New York. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he lives in New York. Um, and then uh, but he's here uh, at least once a month yeah. uh, and in constant contact with the staff. And then um, Andrea Chang, who came, who was an assistant editor in the business section, uh, became the deputy food editor. She I call her a plus plus because she catches everything. Uh, she is one of the best editors I've ever worked with. She's just fantastic. And she really makes the train run here. She is uh, phenomenal. Uh, and so the new food team, uh, we brought back the f- standalone food section last April. Right. Which is bringing that back. Not many places are bringing anything back in yeah, terms exactly. of newsprint. Yeah. And that had a lot to do with um, Kimmy Oshino, who uh, is the assistant deputy managing editor. Sorry, Kimmy, if I got your title wrong. <laughs> it's a very good title. Um, so she's kind of the head of all of features and many things at the paper. But she was really behind that effort to bring the food section back as well um, and give us resources. And, and it was kind of like a dream come true that now we have like eight to 10 pages mm-hmm. um, every Sunday. It, it came back on Thursdays and we just moved it to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to devote an entire sec. And here's the thing, even devoting an entire section to the food scene in LA is not enough. Like we need 30 yeah. pages, you know what I mean? To cover everything and on all the people we need to highlight. Uh, but it's, it's really been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the standalone food section, I already know what you're going to say, but uh, do you think it came back because of demand or did it come back as a choice on the part of the paper to make that uh, a seminal part of what you do? Uh, I think both. Yeah. Um, but I, um, I, I, I think I've always thought that L.A. is one of the best food cities in the world, let alone especially the country, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the rest of the world in the last couple of years has kind of come around to that idea or or thought that they discovered that it was the best food city. Um, and so I think there was more of a demand for it. Um, but yeah, but I, but I also think that uh, the editors here value food and what it means to covering the city. Um, and so I think they recognized that there was a need we had internally as well. Yeah, staking a claim on that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the complement of the food section, where do you fall into that? Uh, I am a senior food writer. Yeah. <laughs> I am... Um, I went from a writer to a deputy editor to acting editor. Um, and then you don't get to do a lot of writing when you mm. are managing. Um, so uh, and then I went back to being a writer, which has just been fantastic. So now I write and I get to do a video series yeah. um, and um, it's pretty great. Yeah, that video series is really well produced. I mean, <laughs> surprising to no one, but I love that there's video content too for what Me you too. do. Me too. Yeah, and actually our first series uh, we did was with my colleague Lucas Quan Peterson. I don't know if you've seen Off Menu. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. so he kind of yeah, so he kind of he went out to different neighborhoods in LA and kind of shined a spotlight on whether it was uh Thai Town or South LA or Koreatown. Um just going to different neighborhoods, meeting the people there, eating the food, and it's a, it's a really fun show. So yeah. there'll be a season two coming soon. Excellent. So, yeah. Excellent. You brought up um, New York, and when I said that it's a bold move to hire Peter, all I mean, I wasn't even talking about the fact that he lives on the other side of the country, more so, because I think that's totally possible, and he's proving <laughs> it to be true. It's more that he, I think of him as um, a conceptual guy. He's got very 
different, wonderfully different kinds of ideas for how to lay things out and approach them. Mm -hmm. And so I can already tell that you're seeing that here with that first, that first um, pullout section that came out was so fantastic that he put together. That you all put together. Oh no. Yeah. But he, no, I mean, it it does start with him and he has really great ideas for uh, like how to just visually express and display things. Um, We have a, a ongoing series called at the table with Mm -hmm. and the first one a writer uh followed along two cops for like a night and the way and then he was like it it ended up being like a comic book strip and Mm -hmm. it just looked fantastic and that's something that we'd never done anything like uh at the paper before even let alone the food section so um yeah i've i've been really proud of what the sections look like and every week and our our designer martina is so talented and so i always tell her i was like i want to frame every food cover like that's amazing yeah like you can say that yes like i I would like to frame so many of our front um cover stories so yeah yeah when you cover when you choose to cover a place do, do they come to you like do you respond to press releases generally speaking uh it depends. Um, if it happens to be a good idea, yes. Mm. Um, but most of the time, most of the time, um, we're just out eating, talking to people, trying to think of if we see a trend or you know, trying to think of story ideas. Um, we do like it when someone wants to come to us f- with an exclusive first look at a new restaurant. Yeah. So we'll de- we definitely do those. Um, but yeah, it de- it depends. Or if the press release is something weird or wacky um so or yeah. bland or yeah it, but it's not um we're not against press releases or anything that's, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. a lot of people get their info um but it, yeah it's kind of a toss-up as to whether or not we'll be able to do something with it yeah so, yeah. yeah and you're probably out in the field a lot deciding what you want to cover yeah we well we hope to be but yeah, yeah yeah how do you find out about the places that are not sending you press releases um i mean i think uh in my almost 10 years here now, July will be 10 years. It's crazy. Nice. Um, I've tried to form relationships with different chefs and publicists and just people who, and bloggers and people who eat around town. Um, and so that, you know, hopefully word of mouth will find its way mm-hmm. over to me. Um, but yeah, I think just letting people know that you, you would like to know the news. You, you want to know new things. I also use social media a lot for mm-hmm. that. Um, Instagram, I'll see a chef being like, oh, working on this new project. I'll DM them and be like, hey, so what's that new project? Yeah. Um, or Twitter or, um, yeah, different social platforms. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll try and gather news from all over the place. So, yeah. yeah. What's the kind of food that you see as kind of up and coming that has not, it has not been discovered or it hasn't been fully embraced? Uh, I think now I'd have to say Indonesian food. Hmm. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more Indonesian restaurants. There's this uh, new Indonesian pop-up dinner. Um, and I don't know. I feel like you just don't see a lot of Indonesian food in mm-hmm. L.A. Um, there's like some Malaysian places that serve some Indonesian place, uh, food dishes. There's like Simpang Asia, which is mm-hmm. Indonesian. But there's not a ton yeah. of places. So I, I think hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll be seeing more of that. Totally. Yeah. So uh, in terms of, I mean, I, I gave you this question in advance, but it seems like such a silly question, but do you feel like you are content, like you have made it and this is where you want to be forever? Or do you have other <laughs> dreams of like writing a book, say, or? as a loaded question. I know. Um, I mean, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what I get to do every day. I feel very fortunate, but I think I can always be doing more. Um, you know, I... I, um, yes, I'd like to write a book one day, maybe more than one book Mm -hmm. one day. Um, I'd, I'd like to write somebody's cookbook. 
I don't mm. think it should be my cookbook, but I'd like to sync up with a chef who wanted to maybe do something fun and write a cookbook with them. Um, I would like to do more videos. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy, but like there are, there are a lot more things I'd like to do eventually. Yeah. 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 I am right in the middle of working on a cookbook. Oh, with a nice. Chef, and it's so much fun. <laughs> I mean, it's so many moving parts, Yeah, but it's so much fun. It's been really exciting. Um, so in terms of maybe your personal bucket list, is there anything that you're, that's on your horizon that you want to tackle or, um, a place that list. you want to go? Oh my God. I have so many. I, if I have any money in my bank account, I buy a plane ticket. Mm-hmm. I get antsy if I'm here for longer than a month, even if it's like, just go up to San Francisco to try a new restaurant. Um, so I want to go to South Korea. Yeah. really badly I, I have so many places i've never been to spain which is nutty to me i haven't been to spain either i've been to so many places but not spain um so yeah south korea spain uh hong kong eventually once, <laughs> once we can mm-hmm. go back um and um yeah i but I, I would like to travel all around asia mm-hmm. so i've only been to tokyo and that, oh. that that was pretty recent, right? Uh, that was last uh, last spring. Yeah, yeah. I went there with my husband you know, on a trip, and because he was working and had a job out there, and it was unbelievable. It is. It can be kind of exhausting. That city does not rest in certain spots. It's so great, but like. I don't know. Quickly, I thought I could live there. Like I got there and like three hours later after I ate one egg salad sandwich and I walked around <laughs> two neighborhoods, I was like, I'm going to move here. But no, but just the city, like the city functions really well. Yeah. Uh, and the people are so amazing. Um, and I was walking. It ended up being kind of a work trip. My videographer and producer, Cody um, Long, who works here with me, was there with me and a group of us. And we've just noticed that on all the sidewalks, there was like raised yellow like a raised yellow path and we were like what is that and you looked it up he's like it's so the blind can get around yeah but like just the fact that the entire city is set up so that some like people with a disability can get around I just was like you know what I'm gonna move here yeah (laughs) they're they're really good with human comfort yes they are uh I'm sorry we could talk about the toilets for an hour I I just was listening (laughs) on the drive down here I was listening to somebody talk about a Japanese toilet and they are unbelievable they have so many functions you know how I'm gonna know I've made it if I make enough money to buy a Japanese toilet that's so if if I buy one I'll come back and say you know what Jamie, I made it because yeah. I have a Japanese toilet that has 50 buttons on it. It's the best thing ever. And some of the buttons are like, it coughs for you. So you don't have to cough and oh you don't have to go into it. But like it warms the yeah, seat it's just, for you. Just, yes. That is how you know you've made it. Yeah. When you yeah. have a Japanese toilet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you about stories that, you, that you've written in the past. Um, what's a favorite one that stands out to you? Um... I mean, I have a couple favorites. Um, one that I was super proud of, I wrote last year on just kind of how hard it is for restaurants to function and just or just stay in business in L.A. Um, and I, I talked to like maybe 30 restaurant owners and chefs um, and different people in the restaurant industry and just kind of the different, you know, the struggles that they go through on a day to day. Because I, I kept hearing from friends and people who eat out and readers that it's so expensive to eat out. Why is it getting so expensive? But then I'd hear from restaurant owners who are saying we can barely keep the doors open. Mm. So I was like, what is happening here? Um, so I did a story on the restaurant industry, the state of the restaurant industry in LA, um, what's happening with um, an increase in minimum wage. Mm. Um, you know, do we go to all inclusive pricing? Is it service charge? Like what's the solution? Um, you know, in 10 years, is it just going to be all giant fast casual restaurants because, yeah. you know, the chefs, 
can't, without deep pockets can't afford to stay in business. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was fun to work on. That was, that was a, that was a story I'm proud of. Um, but because it has a social context too. it always, those are the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has to, I mean, all, I think all good stories should, should be about way more than one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, and then, or if we're just going pure fun, I got to do a story on how there are so many hot chicken places in Los Angeles and kind of where that came from and who's doing them. Um, and how, you know, Kim Prince, who finally has a restaurant now, who has Hotville at the Crenshaw, uh, Baldwin Hills Mall, how she came, how she's from the Prince family, but it was so hard for her to open a hot chicken restaurant in LA where all these other people were opening restaurants. Was, and she's the legacy and she's the of legacy. the Prince. And it, yeah, and she was having the hardest time. Um, so that, that was a really, really good story too. Yeah, you know? for sure. And it sounds like you followed your curiosity on that one. Yeah. 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 Um, what are you reading right now that's inspiring you? Do you read a lot about food or is it other things? Uh, I read about all kinds of things. Um, right now I actually just finished She Said. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Which was great because you're just like, wow, that's that's investigative reporting yes. at its best. Um, is that's, that's Megan Tui? Yes. And that, yeah, okay. Yes. And then I also read Ronan uh, Farrow's book as well, yeah. um, Catch and Kill. Are you seeing anything? I mean, obviously, I know this is a leading question, but what are you seeing in terms of the Me Too movement and women in food? I mean, is is the needle moving? Um, I mean, in L.A., there are so many fantastic women in food. Um, and there have been lots of women in charge of kitchens in L.A. for a very long time um, who have been leading the charge. So, I yeah, I, I think the needle is moving. I think, I think in L.A. especially, but... Um, I don't know. I guess we'll have to. We'll have I to know. Wait and see. It's so early. Yeah. It's so early to know. Yeah. yeah. And to know what the line is between. Well, there's lots of lines that are hard to see in yes. that whole discussion. Uh, what is something that you have done professionally that you kind of wish you could go back and change? Huh. Um. I don't know. Change or do over yeah. or. I don't know. I mean, I try, once I do something, I try to just like put it in the past, you know, um, I try, I try not to, I actually really make an effort not to dwell on the past. Yeah. (laughs) So, so I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know if I have an answer to that question. That's okay. Um, or what's been a really big challenge for you? Well, and how about this to link it back into what we were just talking about? Do you feel like people take you seriously when you walk in to a restaurant? Or or into any you know scenario where you are the journalist and you're covering something. Um, I hope they take me seriously. I mean, I I do think there's a fine balance between um, you know I get to do a lot of fun things with this job. I get to um, do a like the one video that the most people wrote to me about was I I like reviewed the dollar menu at Taco Bell using emojis. So like. Yeah, that's like, so sometimes we, I do really fun things like that. And then sometimes I write like huge pieces or, you know, bigger pieces on, um, the state of the restaurant industry in LA. So I, I think, um, it can be hard when you want to do both and when you enjoy doing both, um, whether it's people taking you seriously or, or what, or however they perceive you. Mm. Um, but, um, I'm going to continue to do both if I can, um, but yeah, it's it's hard. I th- I feel like when you write something now, you have to think about um, is this going to get traffic? 
Mm-hmm. How, you know, it, it's an important story. Are people going to click on it? You know, um, I think that's a constant struggle. Um, yeah. <laughs> the compliment of people who are reading uh, your stories on their phones as opposed to in print is pretty outrageous, right? It's hugely... Oh wait, yeah, way more, way more digital readers, which I like, and I and I mm-hmm. think that's great. Um, I I love the print section. I love reading the print section. I love being a part of the print section. Um, but I'm like super, super proud when something goes viral online. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's it's definitely fun, and to know that that many people are reading and reacting to your stuff. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so speaking of viral, I was waiting for this. <laughs> waiting. I'm you happy. Said I could. I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so explain, I think a lot of people maybe don't know where I'm coming from. They don't know what happened. So can, they may not know the name of, you know, even Jonathan Gold, but they'll know the name Chrissy Teigen. Everybody knows Chrissy. Yeah. Good old Chrissy. Um, so I'm a fan of Chrissy Teigen. I'm still a fan of Chrissy Teigen. Um, been a fan of hers for a long time. Uh, so she, you know, and I was following her cravings because she was, she came out with the cravings book and was getting into food. Uh, and then she recently launched a cravings, uh, website. And so on the website, she had a guide to where to eat in Los Angeles and a guide to where to eat in New York. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was at the office and I was reading it with, uh, Andrea, um, our deputy editor. And I was like, this guide is insane. Like, it's just so, it's just, it's just not a complete guide to LA. So it'd be one thing if it was like, here are my favorite places to eat in LA, which is like, fine. Everyone has their favorites, but it was like a, a, where to eat. It was a food. It was an official food website that came out from like an authority figure in food, um, as a guide and got, and a guide means you are instructing people where to go and what Mm -hmm. to do. So I thought it was fair game. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to write like a counter thing saying like, Hey, you know, great new website, but here are some things that you can add to your guide. Um, and pointed out some things that were missing from the guide, not supposed to be in a mean spirited way, anything like that. Um, what and kinds so of things were you adding? Like, where did you see that hers was lacking and you had other ideas? So like, uh, Asian food, there was like nothing in the San Gabriel Valley. Um, and we have so much good Asian food there. Um, and here's the thing, the places she picked were, were, there were very good restaurants on the list. I was just saying like, these are great, but here are some other ones you can round out the list with yeah. or like one taco, like one, one taco truck. Um, there's she, just, she had no taco trucks. On no, there? she did. She did. Oh, she had, and one. she had a very good taco truck on yeah. her list. Um, so there was just more stuff you could yeah. put on there. Um, it was kind of like a tongue in cheek, like here are some extra things like to like, let's go on a dumpling crawl type thing. Um, didn't again, didn't mean for it to be mean in any way. Uh, and then, so we tweeted it out once it went up and at first her tweet was like, Oh, you know, I knew I'd get some blowback on this. Um, were you surprised that she saw what you had written? Uh, kind of, I mean, I don't, I I feel like the LA times food, uh, account on Twitter is pretty active and has a pretty big following. So I wasn't too surprised and I didn't write anything that I'd be ashamed, like ashamed of her reading. You know what I mean? Um, I would never do that anyway. And so. Uh, it's fair game if it's going up on our website too. Yes. So it went out. And uh, so her first reaction was something like, oh, you know, I knew when I published this, this was going to happen. And she seemed to be a good sport about it. And I was like, oh, great. And I was like, as a joke, I was like, all right, let me know if you want to go eat in the SGV. Then she came out with a second tweet and was like, actually, I just read that. That was really mean. So then like the Twitter verse, like 
went nuts. So then, and it was mostly people who didn't read the article or know who I was or anything. They were just like, Chrissy Teigen said Jen Harris was mean. Therefore, Jen Harris is mean. Therefore, we attack Jen Harris. And so then it just started like, I don't care about stuff like that. Like, I'm not super... I should probably be more active on Twitter, but like I don't get into like online bullying and stuff like that. Like someone random person in another city is like calling me a horrible person. That doesn't bother me Mm -hmm. um, because it's just not, it doesn't, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just nonsense. It's pretty abstract. Too. Exactly. Yeah. It's just nonsense. But then it just went, I, so I was getting calls from all my friends being like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I was like, I'm fine. What's happening? They're like, Chrissy Teigen said this about you. And now the entire world hates you. And I was like, I was like, you guys, it's totally fine. Like, I was like, it doesn't, it's, it's not a big deal. I was like, I, I literally would do the exact same thing again. I wouldn't yeah. knowing the knowing the blow, blowback we got, I'd, I would do the exact same thing again. Cause I was like, she, she's a person of authority who put out a guide to something and I and I wrote a commentary on that guide that was fair, yeah, and not mean spirited at all. And as another person of authority on yeah. that subject, and, and yeah. so and and so I would I would literally do it again. I have no hard feelings, yeah, towards her. Um, her followers can be kind of cray, maybe if, if they. Well, if yeah. she says, I mean, and again, you could tell by a lot of the comments that they didn't they didn't people reading or people responding to me or calling me names or whatever didn't read her guide or my totally com- they didn't even you know what i mean they they're just feeding kind of, on the energy yes, they the just saw thing. something and just started jumping on it yeah um so that was that was the chrissy teigen debacle <laughs> do you did you ever meet her you know i've you never called her your pretend best friend what does that I was, mean because it's you know because i followed her i've been following her for so many years and i make her recipes and like mm. like i was like in yeah, like you know, when you're like, this is my pretend best friend. Like She's in that my, kind like of in person, my, too. like in my head, like like because I feel like everyone wants to be best friends with Christy Teigen. Sure. So it's like, yeah, of course I want to be best friends with her. But yeah. sometimes you you disagree with your best friend, um, and so it was again. It was supposed to be a joke, and people were like, well, oh my god, I, you're using her like your plaything, or you're. It was oh just like, god, it was. No. It, it just got out of control. Um, and I was just like, you know what? It's not worth. It. So I I literally didn't even respond to a single comment. Yeah. I just like, just let it. Yeah. Let it play out. Then you're the right person to be on that side of that whole yeah, Twitter thing. Because it could really it could really tear somebody well, up. Well, that's the thing. You, you don't want to be skin. on the wrong side of Chrissy no. Teigen. No, you don't. Um, but again, I, I would do the same. I, yes. I'm, t- I'm totally fine with everything I wrote and said and did. And uh, I would do it again. Yeah. <laughs> right on, girl. I yeah. just think it's so entertaining. The whole thing is like, I knew that we were going to meet to do this and... And I just scratched the surface a little more. And wow, that was quite an interesting thing. And all about a food guide. All about a food guide. So that's the thing. And then people were like, she was just saying her favorite restaurants. And and I was like, I understand that. And I respect someone's favorites. But if you call it a guide, you're opening it up to criticism because you're you're telling people where to go and what to do and where to spend their money. Right. So I was just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What do you, I ask everybody on the podcast, um, if it were your last day and and I were asking you a very cliche question about what you would eat last, I can guess, but what would it be? So, so that's the thing. There would be fried chicken in there. Yeah. It wouldn't be the whole meal. Okay. I mean, I love wedge salads and blue cheese Same. dressing. Same. And I love Caesar salad. Like, I just love salads with creamy, fatty dressing. There's a fantastic uh, place up near where I live in Santa Margarita called The Range. Actually, LA Times was one of the first people to review it 12, 15 years ago. They have a salad called the man salad that comes with a giant steak knife. And you get half a head of iceberg. And it's just gorgeous. That sounds great. You could dig into it. Yeah. I love that. And I love iceberg lettuce. I know it has no nutritional value whatsoever. Doesn't matter. But I love it. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then I would have some, 
uh, cheesecake with. Yeah, I would have the cheesecake from Rayo's restaurant for dessert. Mm. With Pretty dense. Crust. Yes, dense and just classic with graham cracker crust, and that's it. No sauce, nothing on it, and I would have that and and a martini, and I'd be pretty happy going out like that. Classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Consumed. It is a labor of love, and I appreciate anyone willing to give me their ears for an hour. Consumed is edited by Chris Lambert. If you have ideas for guests I should interview on Consumed, please visit the contact page at letsgetconsumed.com and be sure to sign up for the Consumed newsletter. Until next time, this is Jamie Lewis. Thanks for getting consumed with me.